Hey, what's up, family? Welcome to the live Q&A with yours truly. Hope you all are doing well. Hope you guys are having a great weekend. Or whenever you watch this video, I just hope it's an amazing day for you. But for those who's been watching me for the very first time, or those who's watching me for the very first time, my name is Joshua Ezzy, also known as Coach Josh. And my goal is to help you make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And after watching this video, like, man, I like that guy's vibe. You might as well go ahead and subscribe because I would love to be a coach here online. But for those who's been rocking with me, whether you've been a subscriber of mine for 13, 14 years, or you've been in a, a subscriber for 13, 14 minutes, I want to say thank you all so much for trusting what God has entrusted to me. And like I always say, I pray it continues to be treasured to you. But as everyone is joining me live now, for those who's watching me, like, man, how, how do I get my questions answered? Well, you got to make sure you hit that bell, man. Because no man, no woman knows they are when I go live. And so if you got all the all post notifications on, you'll know exactly when I go live and you'll be at the top of the pile to be able to tap your questions in. And I'll love to serve you uh, then. But let's get right into what I have some things off my latest book. Facts Over Feelings is available now. It's a great book to help you process your feelings and to help you overcome um, any type of, let me see if I got the book with me right now. I think I do. Uh, it will help you process your feelings so that you can get back to fulfilling your purpose. So many people are 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 in their feelings too long and it's keeping them from feeling purpose. So here's the book right here, Facts Over Feelings, great resource here. It has a, a, a pages for you to vent, pages for you to process the facts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what else we got in here? We got articles, um, vent, fill facts, articles there. We also got uh, places for you to process the pros and cons and also write down or color in the red flags in a person or a situation. Also, we got, uh, what else we got in here? Uh, we got a spot, if I can find it real quick, here we go. We have a spot for verses, the top verses for all feelings. So that as you process your feelings, see what the word of God has to say. Feelings like uh, joy, love, anger, sadness, gratefulness, guilt, shame, carnage, all types of feelings. And also worksheets, like I said before, to process your thoughts and feelings, as well as a ton of articles uh, for you to be able to process uh, what it means to feel and get back to fulfilling your purpose. So if you feel like that tool would be a good resource for you, you check out my website, IamUnplugged.com, or you just simply go to Amazon. We also got books to help you process your wholeness. Um, we also have card games, books on singleness books on uh, dating, helping you to date God, date yourself, come date a bow, books on soul ties and strongholds, books on discernment, children's books, as well as books on spiritual warfare and the whole armor of God. So all these books and card games are available on my website, imunplugged.com. Now, I finally see all the questions. Here we go. Uh, Young Yunu says, hey, coach, hope you're well. All is well. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much for asking. My brother PTL says, hey, coach, are you doing one-on-ones this summer? Yeah, I'm actually doing one-on-ones now. And now, now my schedule got a little tightened. Um, so uh, if you just simply need one-on-one coaching, here we go to graphic here. If you need one-on-one coaching in regards to your relationship with God, relationship or not relationship with God, but relationships with other people, including yourself or spiritual development, singleness, purpose, or branding, um, let me know on my website, imunplugged.com under the custom coaching tab. And there I'll be able to see where I have my schedule and be able to coach you. So, bro, we got, we uh, definitely got, uh, we've, co I've coached you before. So definitely let me know, fam. Oh, wrong one. There we go. So, yeah. But this summer, a whole lot more this summer, <clears throat> for sure. Aaron Hawkins says, how do you and your wife navigating, navigate having friends of the opposite sex? Great question. Give me one second. <clears throat> so Aaron Hawkins says, 
How do you and your wife navigate having friends that opposite? So right now in our marriage, we have no uh, 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 opposite sex friends, at least not close. We have associates. We have people that we're familiar with. We have people that are that are friends, but they're not close friends. Usually when you get married, um, those relationships begin to kind of um, be pushed back. Um, conversations may not be uh, as often. Um, it's because you don't want conflict of interest. You don't want things to kind of get in between. So navigating it is, is let's, let me help you with that. So in the beginning stages, you just have to have open communication about who your friends are and, and, and how close you are to that friend. Now, typically as you get closer, if it's a friend that doesn't oppose a threat relationship, then maybe the, your wife or maybe you can become uh, close to them. Now, now if the wife or husband is not um, allowing that friendship to kind of be in its proper place and they're allowed in your place as far as relationship is concerned, then that may be a conflict of interest, right? Because you should be that person that becomes the best friend now, right? And then the, the friend that's in your life should to a degree begin um, to say, you know what? I know my place in this person's life. Now, how a friend responds to that, to your relationship uh, increasing, your relationships going from a different place will determine what kind of friend they are. Now, if it's a friend that 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 genuinely loves you, they'll naturally fall into their place. They'll they they won't even call, they won't even message. It may be check ins down the road when you see them, but it won't be constant because they understand their role. Now, when you get in a relationship. Vice versa, the friendships on either side will determine what kind of friend they feel on the inside towards the person that you're with, right? Now, if you get in a relationship with them and that friend begins to get in their feelings, then that person actually had feelings for that friend and it was kind of hiding in the friend zone, right? And had those eyes zoned on them the whole time. And now they're in their feelings because now um, they, they no longer have an opportunity. So those conversations are important in the beginning of a relationship as far as when it's progressing, especially towards engagement. And then you and the reactions of your friends will determine uh, what type of friend they were with you the whole time. Now, if now if you're marrying the wrong one and a friend is trying to be a friend, then 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 take heed, right? But if you know you with the right one, things should naturally fall into their proper place. Hope to help, family. Liz Beth Marie says, with the things that are happening, would you prepare with food and supplies, or would you allow God to take care of you both? You definitely got to walk in wisdom. And walking with God, walk in wisdom while walking with God. Now, there are going to be situations where God will supernaturally provide, but we also have to walk in wisdom, right? So you definitely have to prepare. You definitely have to uh, um, uh, uh, adapt to the times, right? We're not saying that you become uh, consumed with the times. That's the difference. You want to adapt with the times. If the times are giving you signs that the world is heading into a particular direction, then you got to start minimizing different access and entry points in your life when it comes to social media, when it comes to entertainment and stuff like that, and to steal your spirit and make your spirit sensitive enough so that you can be led by the spirit of God on opportunities to prepare, stockpile, and all that kind of stuff. Because uh, just like with these, the past pandemic, um, it's over. I think it was a trial run, but it's over now. So it's over and look how the world is quote unquote getting my normal. And now we don't move to another movie now. Now we're with the whole uh, conflict over in other countries, right? And so as you navigate with the Holy Spirit, because what happens is people who have a solid relationship with God is not gonna be too affected emotionally 
with what's going on because they're being led and guided. They're already prepped spiritually and they're already physically and mentally to handle what's going on. Those who are not as solid with God, whose spirits are not as sensitive to God, when these times come, they start panicking versus being at peace, right? And so right now, no matter where you are on the spectrum of prepared or not prepared, the good thing is to prepare your spirit by spending more time with God, investing more in your spiritual development, removing yourself from all types of unnecessary connector points, connecting points, so that you can be pointed towards God and know how to move and know how to uh, navigate these different times. God will take care of you, but God will take care of you before, before, it's, before it's bad. Get that pre-care before you have to uh, uh, really ask for care, right? So the best way to be healthy is to take care of yourself. And then take care of yourself, you don't have to worry about pain. I told my students the other day, I'm, I, why do I go to Whole Foods? Why do I spend a lot of money organic? Because I'd rather pay for my health care through what I pay for at the stores than have to be set up to one day when it's too late in a stage five, stage whatever. Then now I'm trying to go eat healthy. Now, if I start now, I don't have to worry about those bills later. So that's just walking in wisdom. Hope to help. All right. Leon D DCEO. Please, please. I should just say, I should stop the Leon. My bad family. Leon says, hey, coach, I'm a 23-year-old man. I feel lost working a retail job. All around me has graduated around me. Everyone around me has graduated around me. Have I wasted time not being graduated by now? I am ashamed of this. Great. Let me tell you something. Oh, you got some more. <clears throat> I know I want to be a teacher of the word, just been dealing with the loss of an ex and feelings of inadequacy. I'm 23 and I just feel lost. Let me read this again. Make sure I have some water. Do I have some water? No, I don't, but I'll be straight. I don't think I'm. Anyway. <clears throat> hey, coach, I'm a 23-year-old man. I feel lost. Working a retail job. All around me are people that are, have graduated. Have I wasted time not being graduated by now? I'm ashamed of this greatly. I know I want to be a teacher of the word, just been dealing with the loss of an ex and feelings of inadequacy. Well, my friend, let me tell you something. I haven't graduated college. I'm still a junior at Oral Roberts University. I didn't graduate. See, the world has conditioned us to make us feel that we're nothing if we don't have uh, 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 papers or a certain world standards of success. See, my friend, I went through the same thing you was going through at 23. It hurt me deeply to see all my friends graduate. It, it, it made me feel like I was nobody because all around me was individuals that utilized graduation as, as a certain uh, beacon of celebration. And then if I didn't receive that societal support of celebration, all of a sudden I found myself depreciating in my own eyes in value. So the, the thing about you have to understand is that I tell young people all the time, there's three ways to exit high school. You can exit high school in higher education. You can exit high school in expertise, or you can exit high school in entrepreneurship. School, college is no longer the end all be all or the means to a successful end. It's not. So you can't consume yourself with everyone, what everyone's doing around you because I never measure a person based upon the beginning of something. I measure a person after 10 years of that celebratory moment. What I mean by that, I never get excited when I see people celebrate. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I love to see people get married, but I'm seasoned enough to know all these flowers, all this celebration, all these people don't mean the marriage is going to be successful. 
When I see people get new jobs, doesn't mean they're going to keep that job. Just because I see someone get a new marriage, doesn't mean they're going to keep their marriage. Just because I see someone graduate, doesn't mean they're going to be successful. There's many roads to success, my friend. You have not wasted time. The good thing is you're working. If you're working right now, everybody else is, is in the books, then you have a little bit more experience than them. What's going to happen to a lot of graduates is that a lot of people are going to graduate out of one bubble to another bubble, and they never have really gone through any type of struggle, right? So if you if your identity is based upon um, uh, the world's standards of success, then you're not going to feel your best. But if yours, if you who you are stems from God, it doesn't matter what happens around you. Do you know it, it, it hurt to see a bunch of people get married before me? Have Do you think it crossed my mind to see when people had kids before me? This stuff don't bother me anymore because I know it's my, not my time. See, the thing about you have to understand, my brother, your identity must come from God. And, and you are right on schedule more than you ever know. So 23, man, you, you can't consume yourself with that because I've been there. That's the reason why I got so passionate because I was the same kind of guy at 23 looking at everybody graduate. Now, when I look back at 33, at 34, 35, 36, if you look at my life in comparison to the people who I was comparing my life to back then, my life is far ahead of theirs. And that's not to be um, proudful of. Now, that's not what I'm saying. But with all things being equal, when I compared it to, I, my life ended up where it needed to be. And now I'm teaching the word. Now YouTube channel is succeeding. Things are growing. Things are great. I'm married to an amazing, beautiful woman. Things take care of themselves in time when you take care of the things in the meantime. He also says, I know I want to be a teacher of God's word. The thing you got to do, man, is go to work, get in the word. Go to work, get in the word. Go to work, get into the word if you want to be a teacher of the word. You don't need no uh, uh, degree. Uh, um, to, to, to rightly divide. Now, don't get me wrong. You got to make sure you get into the word and utilize the different resources online to make sure that you're walking in line when it comes to the word of God in order to rightly divide it, right? You say you just been dealing with the loss of an ex. That's funny. Right at that time, I was dealing with the same thing. You're not inadequate. If your inadequacy is based upon anyone below heaven, then man, you're not going to be who you need to be. God qualifies those who are not qualified. How, who would God get the most glory for? Don't get me wrong. Hear me closely what spiritual is. God will probably get the most glory out of someone who has nothing behind their name, before their name, after their name, than someone who has something. So I mean, doctor, whatever, whatever, right? <clears throat> God's going to get more glory out of me without an ORU degree than he probably will with people who have ORU degrees. What I mean by that is no one can say they made Josh who he is. Nobody can say that I make Josh rich, that I make Josh smart, that I make Josh wise. So sometimes people chase qualifications and, and then end up not qualified by God because their identity is in what qualified them. But if your identity is in who and in, in, in who qualified you versus what qualifies you, then you'll be more qualified to do things for God. Because now my head is not in, well, I got a master's degree or I got a doctor. There's nothing wrong with that. Please hear me, those who have those things. Nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about people whose identity are in those things. So if you feel lost, then you have to go uh, and be found. You know, you got to go to God, man. You got to say, my identity is in God. I'm telling you, friend, I've been there, man. And you just got to live your life, man, and, and get tunnel vision. Don't get too peripheral. Don't get too caught up in what everybody's doing because everybody looks good right now. But will everybody look good years from now? That's the real question. 
Go to work, get in your word, and trust God's time, my friend. I may not have given you a lot of practical things, but I pray that the anointing on this question, on this answer, is destroying those yokes of inadequacy, bro. I faced those same feelings. And now if you look at me, bro, look at where God has brought me. You see what I'm saying? If you go all the way to my oldest videos, you'll see 12 years ago, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, you'll see this skinny, uh, big-headed guy on the video. I was so depressed then. I was so depressed. And even in my depression, even in my sadness, God took me to my purpose. And uh, during that time when I was 23, 24, right, 25, everybody was graduating ORU. Everybody was succeeding. But God told me to get in those videos. And 12 to 13 and 14 years later, a lot of those people I was comparing my life, life to, lives are not as, as lively as mine's right now. Hope they help. Ashley says, hey, coach, recently made a decision to cut off a narcissistic parent. Already prayed and received the go-ahead, but I am nervous for my safety after. Would it be better just to cut off with no closure? Uh, it depends. I don't know exactly what danger you're in. Let me see if I scroll down and see if you say anything else, Ashley. I don't know what danger you're in. So if it's like physical danger, then you got to get some authorities involved, right? So, But if it's a parent, whatever, you got to trust that. Um, God will protect you. Now, what, I'm not, what I mean by that is protect you mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Now, if you're in physical danger, then you got to do what you got to do. So now, if there is no matter what type of safety that you're going through, you says, would it be better just to cut them off with no closure? You don't need closure. If if a person is is whatever with you, you don't have to have closure. You can just let your absence do it. Now, when they feel your absence and then they, they ask or inquire about your absence, then you can communicate with them if you feel safe to do so. But if, if it's someone like that, man, you owe them nothing. Jesus didn't owe Mary nothing. Jesus didn't owe Joseph nothing. They were just tools to get them into the world, all right? Because at that time, Mary, all as we can see, wasn't being motherly, right? Let me see if you said anything else, Ashley. Okay. Um, young, you knew you posted a question. Let me see if I skipped you, young, you knew. No, I don't see your coaching. The only question I see is hope. I hope that you're well. That's all I see. Let me see if I I didn't skip you. Let me see. But back to you, Ashley. I would just cut them off with your absence. I wouldn't cut them completely off. I would just slowly remove yourself and add a lot of absence into the equation, so they can really feel um, the consequences of treating you however they treat you. But you got to give me more uh, intel about that. I'm not sure what kind of danger you're in, if that makes sense. Uh oh. Oh, Ash says he's a type to pop up out of nowhere. He hasn't had our address for years. So, uh, okay. So is he popping up to, okay. So is he popping up to your new home? Is he popping up to your new home? So what I would do is, is uh, I won't put no authorities on him unless you feel like he's like he's crazy or something like that. Does he know your new address? I'm just wait to you. Uh, I'm wait to see if you have any more information to give some time to type. So where is he popping up at? Let's see where he's popping up. Give you some time. No, previous home. Okay, so if you don't have your new address, you don't got to worry about it. You know, I wouldn't tell I wouldn't tell him too much about what's going on with your life right now. If you feel like he's he makes you uncomfortable, then just keep living your life, you know, and, and be led as you know, be led to see when you should pick up his phone conversations and pray for him in the meantime. I hope that helped. But you don't want to uh um you don't have to be close to someone just because of their title. I hope to help. And let me know in the comments if you need a little bit more insight on what I was sharing. Jordan Taylor says, what things may happen when you have outgrown a certain Joe, a job and or uh, or job placement or profession? 
Jordan, let me see if you clarified the question. Let me make sure. Uh, you said, what things may happen when you have outgrown a certain job and or job placement or profession? Well, you know, if you out, the, the thing about it is, even though you outgrown a place, you still add shade and fruit to that place until God uproots you. Please understand that. So when a tree is taller than where it is, right? That doesn't mean you stop providing that place shade and providing that place um, fruit. You stay fruitful there because sometimes your skill set, your mindset may have outgrown that place, but God still wants your light to be in that place, right? So now until God directs you and leads you out of that place, I will stay fruitful, stay focused and stay uh, vigilant and serving that place how how you were um hired uh, hired to serve it right so what i mean by that is that you don't want to get your emotions and mind distracted in some other place that you stop being fruitful in that place because you don't want to burn bridges one thing about me i never burn bridges it doesn't matter what happens to me at my current job i know i got three or four bridges I even have my own bridge that I can take for my own entrepreneurial self. So I never burn bridges because you never know when it's time to cross over. So the best way to do that is to still is to end well, is to transition well, is to do so good there. Like right now, my uh principal from my other school, she's saying, man, if she says she's saying, we'll love to have you back. So I exited well. And I also engaged well there. I worked well there so that no matter what, she knew it was a God move and she knew that she couldn't fight against God. But she knew that if you ever need to come back, we'll welcome you back in open arms. And that's how you want to be that that when I went into my principal's office, we both cried because we really were invested in that school. And so that's what I mean by by doing well, even though you may have outgrown that place, because you never know if you may need that place in the future or a person in that place to vouch for you for wherever you got to go. And then that's why in the meantime, as you still being fruitful there, now you got to be more uh, 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 um, um, growing in the things of God, more fruitful in the things of God so that your spirit can be sensitive enough to know when God is ready to uproot you and then replant you in another place. Hope to help. Friendly neighbor says, can Satan answer your prayers right after you are done fasting? Pray for someone to come back, but only if it was his will. And the next day that person calls. How do I know if it was truly God? Great question. A lot of my kids ask me questions like this. So you have to understand the spiritual world is, is a high frequency communication network. If it, if I could, if it, if that makes sense. What I mean by that is like, man, anybody and everybody in that realm can hear you, right? And so if 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 the best way to ensure that it's from God is to put it on the shelf. First off, you have to examine some things. Did you fast correctly? Did you fast to solely hear from God about this particular person or did you fast to solely get close to God and you felt led by God to do the fast? Right. Because if you fast to get things to happen to you faster or quickly then you may have done the fast wrongly and that 
the enemy could be utilizing your improper motive. I'm not saying it's you, but the motive of your fasting to move that person back in, to move that demon infested or distraction back into your life, to sabotage even more because now they know she fasted and she may have, we know she may have fasted wrong or he may have fasted wrong. And now we can bring this wrong thing in and then make it feel like there's a God stamp on it. And then this person will go with it with no seeking of God. Right. There's so many people that know a lot of things about God, but haven't searched God enough to know whether or not how to properly discern whether it's not from God. Right. So how do you know if it's truly from God? What you have to do is examine your heart first. Was my fast motively? Uh, uh, did it have the right motives? Did I have the right motives with this fast? Am I still soul tied to this person? Um, uh, who is this person? Is this person even following God enough to even be whoever he needs to be or she needs to be in my life? Right. And just because a person calls, you have to understand demons know how to trigger a person to be a distraction. Right. So there's a lot of questions you have to ask. But I have a book that I think will help you, my friend. And it's called Counterfeit or Counterpart. How to continue to discern the will of God in every, in every area of your life. There's a lot of worksheets in there, a lot of questions, a lot of great points to help you process if you're in position enough to be able to um, process um, God's best or the devil's best. There's a lot of great stuff there. So I pray that book's a great resource. I pray what I've shared so far helps you as well. Emmanuel Ella, my bad if I jacked your name up. I apologize. What's the balance between spiritual and individual? What percentage of accountability should an individual have? I get annoyed at my dad when he mentors people to pray against the devil instead of improving themselves through tools. Great question. How can I support my dad in his ministry even though I don't see nor comprehend? Great question. A lot of layers, though, but we'll go through it. Now, what's the balance between spiritual and individual? Well, it has to be a balance, right? So when a lot of people, they, there's churches that are too applicational and people who are too um, spiritual. There are churches who are too applicational and a uh, church that's too spiritual. There has to be a balance, right? Those who are too applicational are like, there's there's five steps to everything, right? And And a lot of it has to deal with um, what you have to do versus trusting in what God has done and also doing your part. There are certain churches that are too um, um, spiritual where everything's a demon. Everything's not a demon. A lot of people are blaming stuff on demons, but not looking at their discipline. A lot of the reasons why we are where we are is not because of a devil. It's because we haven't picked up a shovel. It's the reason why we're not where we are is because of a lack of discipline, right? So we like to blame the devil on a lot of stuff versus looking in the mirror and say, okay, how, what part of me played a part in this, right? So, so that's the balance. The balance has to be that there is a part that God plays and it's a big part. And there's a lot of part that I have to play, that I have to match my discipline with the divine the, uh, divine support. So what percentage of accountability should be on the individual? A lot of a percent. So maybe like a 70-30 a, a split, but I can't say that because every person's situation is different. So, But the percentage is high. It's bigger than 5%, bigger than 10% when it comes to accountability. You say you get annoyed by your dad when he mentors. Depends on how old your dad is and what denomination your dad is in. That's a lot of information there. Some denominations, they, they, they were groomed a certain kind of way. Everything's a devil, everything's spiritual, whatever. And you say you get annoyed with your dad when he mentions people to pray against the devil instead of improving, right, themselves through tools. How can I support? Well, do you feel like you can have a conversation with your dad? Do you feel like you can really have a conversation with him where you say, dad, I'm here to support you with the tools. 
And because sometimes we can be annoyed, but it and then it leads to assumption, and we never really go and ask the right question. Say, okay, Dad, how can I support you with the applicational pieces? How can I support you with the tools pieces? Because a lot of people are only anointed for ah casting out demons. They they made that that's their gifting. That's what they're strong at. But they may not. Their brains may not be wired like you and myself. So one thing about me, I can do both. You know, I'm spiritually sensitive, but I'm also applicational. Like when, that's what people. I think a lot of people like to watch my channel because they get the spiritual tools and support. And they feel the anointing, but they also, they, they feel the application is partnered with the anointing. So it's not just anointing, it destroys the yokes, and then you go on about your business, there's no tools. But I also give you tools to help you uh, uh, be honest with yourself to see if you're willing to apply yourself. So what I would do is uh, have, a, have a conversation with them. What I would do is say, Holy Spirit, open an opportunity for me and my dad to have a conversation about this. And in the meantime, have your talking points ready in your phone on a sheet of paper, have your talking points. And then when the Holy Spirit opens the opportunity for you to have that conversation, then have it with gentleness and with love and, and, and have ideas. Dad, here are some things that I want to support you with. Here's some ideas, here's some programs, here's some things. But also at the second time, understand his point of view. Because you don't want to swallow all of that up and make it into applicational ministry only. You want to see how you guys can mirror. And if the Holy Spirit has called you, hear me, if the Holy Spirit has called you to support him, right, then you go in that and then the Holy Spirit will then give you ideas to support him. That's the best advice I can give you. Hope that. Young and New says, hey, oh, okay, okay. Let me see if Young and New. Okay, I'll write it again. Ash says, he's the type that the pop-up hands. Okay, gotcha. No preview. Okay. Uh, your physical, mental, and spiritual health is most important. That's right. All health is important. Oh, so Ash says you're dealing with the uh, possible cultural backlash. You don't have to worry about that, Ashley. Don't worry about cultural things like that. Um, God will lead you, though. Um, and I wouldn't worry too much about it. I'm guessing he's from a different country. I'm guessing that. Uh, let me see Young and New. Let me see uh, where Young and New is. Okay, I, got, I only got a couple of questions. Then I'll be out Charles' way. Hey, Coach. <clears throat> is it weird or wrong to tell a sister with who, with sister who I was close with, I don't want to be close with anymore and just sisters without grudge? I'm 28 and she is 51. Oh, I can see what's going on there. Especially if you're 28 and single, 20, whatever. The, the older saints feel like they, they, they have to kind of control you. And whatnot. Okay. Hey, coach, is it weird or wrong to tell a sister with whom I was close? I don't want to be close with her anymore and just be sisters without grudge. Hmm. Guess what I would do? First off, I would try to feel her. And what I mean by that is to say, okay, why is she doing this? Right. If it's a situation where she's controlling, manipulative, and stuff like that, then you don't owe nobody anything. Um, and what I mean by that, now you do kind of owe some, not owe, it, it may, it will be considerate to kind of give a conversation, have a conversation. But if you feel like that conversation is going to blow up unnecessarily, then you, you have the right to start creating separation between y'all two. Now, unfortunately, though, if your if relationship has been long and it's so close and it's so tightly knitted, um, then I think the Holy Spirit will kind of either lead you into one or two conversations. Either he'll lead you to a conversation. I don't want to say one or two, like that's the only two options. The Holy Spirit knows that he understands my heart on that. So I'm not trying to say, hey, the Holy Spirit only has two ways. But here's two things that I can see for a situation like this. One would be um, 
for you to have empathy towards her and maybe you can win your sister in a better version. You can win a better version of your sister to you, right? Because you had a conversation, y'all both kind of say, okay, oh, that makes sense. I'm so sorry, whatever, whatever. If her heart is pliable enough, if her heart is tender enough, right? But if she's hard hearted and she's stuck in her ways, right? Then you have to go about your way. And the conversation may be like, it may be one of them hard cutoffs where it's like, hey man, after the first conversation, she didn't receive it well. Then obviously you have a second conversation of, you know what, this ain't gonna go in the right direction, right? And so that's what I would do. Uh, um, and so you have to tell me what's the what's the reason why you don't want to be closer anymore. That's a very valuable point because if you tell me then that would kind of lead me in a different direction. So let me know. I'm gonna check for you again. If I don't forget, I might go on to forget to check on you again to see um uh, why don't you want to be closer anymore. And I can kind of tell by the age dynamics why you wouldn't want to, but I want to I want to at least have some more clarity on that. Aaron says, What are two things you wish you would have known before you started preaching, teaching, and coaching? Great question, Aaron. Two things I wish I would have known. Uh, number one, um, that the things that I hoped for wasn't going to happen as quickly as I thought. Then my zeal would have been a little bit more balanced and neutralized, right? Secondly, that most people that come and that want to help you, right, are not going to help you long term, all right? That's two things I wish I would have known. Number one, um, that that ministry was going to take off like I thought it would, even though it took off a little bit, but it, that it wasn't going to be um, um, as quickly as I thought it would be. And second, that people were going to say, now, when it comes down to actually preaching, teaching, and coaching, those particular avenues, like actually delivering God's word, um, before I started, I wished um, I gave myself more time to um, be okay with the stumblings, not in sin, but like the, I wish I was a little bit more gentle with myself in developing my coaching, preaching and teaching style. Right. And number two, with coupled with that, I wish I didn't, I didn't compare myself to other preachers, teachers, and coaches. I wish I knew that. I wish I, I knew that it was okay to preach, teach my unique way and not to compare how other people was. Because in the beginning, I was sounding a lot like other people. I sounded a lot like Miles Monroe. I was sounding a lot like T.D. Jakes at one point. I was sounding a lot like, uh, uh, um, and there was one point when I got into where I started teaching more like uh, Tim Keller, right? And then I began to find my unique self. And now it was okay for me to be, to rhyme or to be humorous or, or to be technical or analytical and, and systematic with my teaching styles. It was okay for me to be awkwardly, uh, intelligently, deliberately delivering things the way I delivered them, right? And so now I'm okay because I thought that if I, I teach, preach, or coach their way, I would have their success versus allowing myself to be my authentic self anointed by God and draw the people that want to eat from my spiritual restaurant, right? And then I wish that I uh, did more early on deep dive studies in, in apologetics and exeget and uh, exegesis. Exegesis mean uh, being I was like that early on. I, I was okay with that because I was up here. I love studying the true meaning of things. But I hope they help. That's what I wish I would have done before I started teaching, preaching, and coaching. That that it's gonna take its course. It's gonna take some years. And that it's okay to be yourself and not like your peers. Hope to help. Patient says, what is the difference between self-accusation and transparency? Let me look what that means. Y'all give me some good words. I love new words. self 
accusation. I think that's what you said. Self-accusation. I'm going to spell it the way you put it. Accusation. Okay, here we go. What's that mean? The action of accusing oneself stemming from feeling guilt. And I think you said transparency. I'm going to spell it the way you spell it just to make sure I got it right. Transparency. Because, oh. Hold on. I want to spell it the way you spell it because that might be a different word. Transparency. Hold on. Did I spell this word right? Nope. And okay, give me one second. I'm I'm guessing it's transparency. I'm, I'm probably overthinking it. Okay. <clears throat> what is the difference between self-accusation and self-accusation is the action of accusing oneself from ah got it now. What's the difference between self-accusation and transparent? Now, this is where I am in ministry. That's how I minister. I'm very transparent. But early on, my transparency stemmed from what this word means, which means it stemmed from um, feeling guilty. And I and I felt like, you know, I was in between. But until I begin to understand the righteousness of Christ and begin to really understand what it means um, uh, for me to be in right standing with God, not because of my own works, not because of my own effort, but because of the effort of Christ and, and what and he took my sin, I took his righteousness. And now I can go before the father boldly. And that now that righteousness now is inspiring me and pushing me towards better, better uh, righteousness, right? In my actual life, then now my transparency is a little bit is gentle, both on the hearer and on the speaker. Now, when I hear myself talk about past mistakes, there is no feelings of guilt. There is no feelings of man. I feel bad about this, right? Now, my transparency is solely on helping the other person overcome, right? So. I hope I'm getting this right. Let me see if you posted any, any uh, thing. Okay, you did. So, transparency. I think that, okay. Either way, I was in this particular, if I'm understanding that second word correctly. But now I don't feel guilty about my past mistakes because everything that I do, even if it's wrong, I filter it through the gospel. I filter through the gospel that I am undeserving of God and the one who was who was deserving, who was undeserving of my punishment, took my punishment, made, made, now is now making me deserving not deserving, but uh, qualified for something I'm not qualified for, which kind of has that unique humbling and 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 excitement about it. That even though quote unquote I I I, I am uh, uh, a wretched man and you know, I'm undeserving, but yet I'm deserving, kind of puts me in a position where I'm like, wow, I get to have relation with the Father and don't have to worry about being bothered by what I did previously. Hope to help. I'm gonna knock out these next few questions. I'm gonna get out of here. Oh, there's more. <laughs> All right. You said singleness is not always easy for me. Sometimes I'm a bit lonely. I wish to have a wife to become one. So I'm guessing that's your question, young you know. My question keeps getting deleted. I asked if I should never please myself as a single. Oh, here we go. So let's put both of these questions together. So the first one said, you said, singleness is not always easy for me. Sometimes I'm a bit lonely. I wish to have. Okay, so let's go. It goes this. Um, I, <clears throat> I asked if I should never please myself as a single Christian man. 
I'm working on myself and my relationship with God. My drive to be close with the woman is sometimes high. Um, and you also said singleness is not always easy for me. Sometimes I'm a bit lonely. I wish to have a wife to become one. Now, be careful what you wish for. In the meantime, work for it. Because if you wish for something without the work to match the wish, then what you want will end up being something that you don't want to have eventually, right? And what I mean by that is if you get into this sexual state where you please yourself sexually, right, to keep you in the meantime until you have a wife to please you, then subconsciously you will be looking at her as someone to please you because your wish or want for her is sexually tied or emotionally tied. Your connection to a woman has to first be spiritually tied. Your connection with the one that God has for you has to first be spiritually tied first. That's the first cord in the rope. I'm spiritually tied to her. This has been ordained by God before we both was even formed in our mother's womb. This is a spiritual tie. Once a spiritual tie, don't, don't think soul tie. I'm talking about connection. When I know that she is the woman for me, now I am freed by the help of the Holy Spirit for her to start developing uh, emotional, mental ties. And then eventually when we marry the physical tie, right? Because if you start getting caught up in physically being tied to yourself and pleasing yourself, then you, when you meet her, may rush over into her and then jump into physical ties, soul ties physically, which will spawn complications with the cording of the ropes or the tying of the, of the, of the strands. And now your rope would be uneven with bit knots in it because there was no spiritual connection first. And then there was no proper spiritual guidance or the allowance of the Holy Spirit to guide you through all through the proper ways of becoming emotional and mentally tied before you get married and be physically tied. Now, I, no relationship is does that perfectly. Right. That's why it's important in order to be uh, uh, to do it properly. The difference between doing something perfectly and properly. Hear me. Perfectly means. Y'all never did anything and nothing's going to ever happen. And y'all were so perfect. That's impossible. The goal is to endeavor to do things properly with the proper systems and standards in place. You're not going to be able to do this courting and dating stuff perfectly. But the goal is to do it properly, because if you try to do it perfectly, then it's going to be awkward. There's going to be annoying. And it's going to be counterproductive because all in the back of your mind, I got to do this perfectly to God or God's not going to bless our marriage. Man, No. The goal is to have a, a, a proper disposition, which will help you do things properly, even if I'm not saying mess up like sex, but even if you speed up at certain points to become emotionally and mentally tied, the Holy Spirit becomes that buffer to kind of say, ah, right, y'all doing too much. And then you'll find that flow. That's what I saw in my courting and dating phase. There was moments you was like, man, this thing is. And then the Holy Spirit, some way, somehow slowed it down. That's the beautiful thing. But we both wanted to do it properly, not perfectly. Because when you try to do things perfectly, then you put too much on it, right? But in the meantime, what this question is, um, when it comes down to that, man, idleness is the devil's playground. Uh, idle mind leads to idle hands. Idle hands leads to idle worship. An idle mind, you can't be idle. Why do you think I wrote so many books? Why do you think I did so many videos? Purpose became my buffer. Purpose became my protection. It became something that didn't even make me think about pleasing myself, right? And so we're talking about later on. Now, don't get me wrong. We, I struggled with that. So don't. I'm not saying that I went through. It wasn't perfect. But what I'm saying, it was purposeful. It went from 
uh, uh, that to being purposeful to the point to where I began to mentally understand how that thing would be a detriment to my uh, 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 marriage, right? Right. So you got to start saying, okay, God, show me my purpose. Show me what I need to do in the meantime, because if you don't have nothing to do with these hands, your hands is going to be in your pants. And that's just how it is, because now it becomes frustrating because now you debating whether or not God is hating is going to bring your woman soon. Then that's when it becomes complicated. But if you choose, if you choose to say, God, I trust you with her and I trust you with me. And then you will begin to see that thing really ever happening. And you'll begin so enamored and so immersed in purpose that you won't even find yourself doing those things. Right. So while you're working on yourself and your relationship with God, uh, your drive, you got to uh, you got to start asking your drive questions. Why do you want a woman badly? Then that's going to open the, uh, the, the, the doors of why you want her. You don't want nothing too bad. Because if you want something badly, that means it will end up being bad for you because that means you will be too bad for it. You have to want it the right way. Now, what are some reasons why you want it her so bad? Is it because to please you sexually so that you so she can be the one? A lot of men still I, I counsel a lot of men and, and they they were so gung ho about being married, but they didn't really investigate their root reason of why they want to be married. And then come to find out they wanted to be married so that she can please him sexually. And that was really the sub, subconscious reason of why he wanted a wife. And then when he realized that a wife is not a porn star, that a wife is not a professional uh, uh, a sex, a sexualist, right? That she's not going to be turning tricks and that she's a wife and there's going to be more on her mind than pleasing you at night. Then that man becomes now creates a whole nother bigger problem than the previous problem. Now he creates a problem of now he's getting back into pornography. Now he's looking for somebody. Now his heart is desiring things because his wife may not be okay with certain things. And you have to understand with on-demand pleasure, you got to be very careful because what your hand can do or what a sexual toy can do or what all these things can do, a human body can't do. What happens if, what happens, so this is what I thought early on. I can't do this because if I do this, what happens if my wife can't do it a particular night? What if my wife has this going on or that going on and or she's tired and she can't do it? Am I going to go to my plan B? My plan B, which is my hand, or my plan B, which is which is pornography. What? Else? But if I'm content in that area, self control in the area, then when she's not able to do it, there's been plenty of nights—not plenty of nights—but there's been nights where she just couldn't do it, not because of whatever. I'm not gonna get personal, but there's just life. She's tired. What did I do? I came right back into my room, work on my book. It's, it's second nature to me that if 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 that can't happen for me, and I'm not—we talking about properly. We're not talking about oh, she's withholding anything. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about marriage. <laughs> and I, there was times where I'm tired. She's tired. So what I'm saying is if, if the plan B is not plan P, plan P is plan purpose. If it's plan B, then you're going to be at the bottom of some social site and, 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 and handling yourself and then causing all extra complications in your marriage. Hope to help. Thank you for responding. It feels smothering. She sees me as her. Okay. She's never had, and I notice that she gets jealous when I try to hang out with other people within the church. Well, what I would do is just have a, see if the Holy Spirit leads you to have a conversation with her, and just say, "Hey, man, you're 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 coming in a little too hot. You're coming in too close. 
right? And that's a problem between her and God. And if after that conversation, she doesn't, if she's not endeavoring, don't get me wrong, she ain't going to completely change. It's going to be hard for her to change quickly. But if she's not endeavoring to get better in the area, then you have to cut that person off because she's no longer good for you now. Some pe- It's okay. Some people in your life right now were only meant for a season. And we have to be okay with seasonal friends. Some people were only meant to uh, to guide, to father, to mother, to nurture for a season. And then that season, yo, what they've produced in your life in that season has now become too big for them to steward. And now they start filling themselves and now it's over, right? So if she's smothered, have a conversation with her. And if she responds, that's why I told you about the testing. Watch my video on how to test. Uh, if she, if her temperament is hot, now don't matter, she might be in her feelings in the beginning. Don't, let me make sure I add this. Some temperaments may be hot in the beginning, but if it stays hot for two or three days, then you make your decision. Some people going to come in hot in the beginning, but after they thought about it, after they slept on it, after they thought about it for a while, they come back with, with, with the revelation sealed in them. I want to make sure that's clear. Sometimes when you test people, they may be upset in the beginning because their flesh got offended. Right, but if they stay offended and they speak and they go into uh uh they went from ready mode to petty mode and they go now they was ready to serve you now when they got the revelation about what you said about them now they get into petty mode and their pettiness is continuous and they don't come back and say you know what I'm sorry for that and, and my bad I just I was hurt by that and there's no follow up check the fo- check the temperament sometimes you can measure the temperament now if they just angry and crazy we off them but if they're just whatever you understand why they may be upset. Give them two or three days. And if they come back the same way they left you, then it's time to leave them. Hope that. All right. See, some, Simmons says, hey, coach, clarification in it. Got you. A minister stated at a funeral that after accepting Christ, we cannot be eternally separated from him regardless of the lifestyle we live. Is it true? The lifestyle proves life change. A lot of people accept Christ quote unquote, but they didn't accept Christ. They accepted the idea of Christ, the idea of a savior, but they were never saved. The Bible talks about that there there will be many that go with you, but time will prove that they were never with you, right? So there are people who outwardly accepted Christ, but never eternally accepted Christ. Like I tell my students all the time, some people just only go to Jesus so they don't have to go to hell. Some people go to Jesus so they can be prosperous. People go to Jesus for the wrong reason. That's where things in the narrative begin to change against Jesus because people was expecting the Messiah to free them from Rome versus the bad things in their home. See, they wanted the Messiah to come save them from Rome. So they thought uh, the Messiah was going to come from a horse and, and defeat uh, 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 Bowser at the end of Super Mario Brothers, which was uh, 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 not Pharaoh, but um, what's them people call in Rome? Not Pharaohs. They're not Pharaohs. They're, um, what's them? they're not emperors. What they what those people call? Not Pharaohs. Uh, Caesar. They thought he was going to come. The Christ was going to conquer Caesar. That wasn't the purpose of Jesus coming. So they was upset when Jesus came and talking about uh, saving them from themselves. So if a person genuinely doesn't see their sins the right way, doesn't see their position the right way, they would never ask for a savior. Now, if they see that hell is inevitable or they see that this can make me prosperous, they'll accept Christ. 
but they didn't really accept Jesus. They accepted a graven image of Jesus. There's a lot of graven images of Jesus out there in the world today. And people are accepting those Jesuses. But those Jesuses can't save and can't produce true prosperity and true salvation for oneself, which will then lead to them not going to hell. So time proves whether or not a person has accepted Christ. Now, that doesn't mean tough times come and person may fall, may not fall away, but may backslide or whatever. That's going to happen. But if time, time would prove the boom, 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 and then boom, boom, right? Okay, they may have had some turbulence because they're babes in Christ, but then they eventually begin to have fruit in their life, right? That's why you judge a tree by its fruit. So let's look at what the minister said. A minister stated at a funeral that after accepting Christ, we cannot be eternally separated. Now, the eternal separation, quote unquote, has to stem not from man to God, but God to man. God is omniscient. He's all knowing. God did now that is true in that sense. The people that God foreknew will accept him genuinely and really has the fruit that he foresees. Those people cannot be eternally separated because he knows those people are going to endure to him. The one who knows the end knows who's going to endure to the end. Therefore, he knows those individuals are saved. But time will prove whether or not somebody accepted a counterfeit Jesus or the real Jesus. So if the if these people, don't get me wrong, somebody could have died, but their heart was changed, but they didn't really have the tools around them for them to be delivered out of their lifestyle. So what I mean by that example, a person could have been uh, whatever, sin A, sin B, or sin C. They got saved the night before they died. Did their lifestyle change it quickly? No, but the heart changed. They just didn't have enough time to reveal the fruit that their heart has changed. But if someone has been saved for, quote unquote, 10 years and they're proudly practicing that sin, they never were saved from it. If a person is in, there's a difference between practicing sin and having problems with your sin. There's a big difference between practicing sin and having problems with the sin. But inside, you don't want that sin. That's a big difference. So outside looking at two people, we can say, we can tell the difference someone who's having problems being freed out of their sin and they, they want to be freed versus someone who's proud in their sin. If someone's walking around sleeping with someone or whatever, 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 whatever sin you want to call it, and they're proud about it and they double down on it by putting that God stamp on them like God is pleased, God is, God is this, then they ain't saved, fam. But if they're wrestling with the lifestyle, but they're but they're but they're endeavoring to get out of it, then that person is truly saved. That's evidence. Let me say that. That's that's evidence of salvation. Thank you, Jess. You say it's transparent. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I didn't know it was transparent. Parents, because there's self-accusation, self accusation and there's self-actualization. So I was like, maybe that other word was something different. Maria Maria says, I am 39 years old and want to know why God has not sent me my husband. I wonder if God has someone for me or not. The real question, my friend Marie, you have to ask yourself, am I ready for that someone? Do you know there are a lot of people that waste years waiting and never spent those years working? A lot of people are mad at God right now because they're waiting for God to deliver something versus being delivered from something for something. So, if you're wondering more than you're working, then you could be being counterproductive against yourself. 
because God is not going to bring someone into your life if you're not ready. The goal is you have to constantly look in the mirror and say, instead of wondering, what can I be working on on me that will eventually position myself to be married? Now, 39 is not old. So don't I don't don't look at your age and be like, oh God, God has not given up on you. The question is, what haven't you what have you given up on yourself? Right. If you're waiting for someone to be sent versus being sent, then you won't be able to see the sin, what's gonna be sent to you. Know, what I mean by that is just be sent towards a purpose. And as you let me say something, I was in my purpose while I met my wife, and my wife was in her person purpose when she met me. You're not going to meet your person if you have yet to meet your purpose and you have yet to meet yourself and you have yet to have meetings with God on a regular. You're not going to meet your person at all. I'm not sitting there saying God can't do what he does. I'm just saying, by and large, if you don't know your purpose, how can you know your person? How can you know your purpose if you don't know who you are as a person? And how can you know who you are as a person if you don't know God personally? Right? So typically when people ask these questions, they typically, I'm not saying you, but they typically have spent more of their life wondering than working. So then when you spend your time wondering and things haven't been brought to you, then you start questioning God and then you start doing things on your own effort because you're mad at God. And then, then, but there's this much of things left to be improved in you, all right? So before things are sent to you, you got to improve you. Right. So so think about the last 10 years of your life and ask yourself, did I spend most of those 10 years wondering, wandering or did I spent those times working? And if you say, hey, I spent most of those times wandering and wandering more than I was worshiping and working, then I could have been. I am the reason why I'm single. The reason why you're single is twofold. Either you're single because it's not God's time yet and you're, you're ready, but it's not God's time yet. Or you're single because it's your fault. And only you know, right? So if you if you know that you've been doing your best and you're content with your singleness, but you're just having a, a bad moment right now, then is grace is sufficient and the joy of the Lord is your strength to get you through that hurdle. But if this has been something you've been feeling for years and you've been idle and you haven't really been uh, um, um, into anything, developing yourself, preparing yourself, then you're you're hurting yourself. Ask yourself right now, if you were to be married tomorrow, what would you offer that man? Most women, in, not most women, but a lot of women in our world today think that they are the prize. They think just because they got the hips, just because they have the face, just because they have the body, just because they have a vagina, they're the prize. You are not the prize. What's inside the prize? You're just a rapper. What's the gift? People are only trusting in how well they have been wrapped and they, they and then they're warped mentally. You got to say, what can I really provide a man? I A man could think that too. So just because a woman asks this question, the reason I'm answering this way. So a lot of women are working to think that they're the prize. And if they don't have nothing, that they don't have to have anything to offer a man. No, you got to say, what can I offer in my hands? Not what's in my pants. Because if you think a vagina is going to get you through marriage, a vagina ain't going to get you through no marriage. You know what I'm saying? And so what I'm saying is if you feel like, well, I'm a prize, I'm cute, I'm beautiful, I got a great job, I got a great, I got degrees, I'm successful. But a, a man loves to eat. A man wants peace. A man wants rest. A man wants to laugh. 
a man wants to uh, 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 find balance. A man wants a man of God wants to be purposeful. And if all you want to do is be cute and pretty, then my friend, you're not ready. And I'm not saying to you, I'm saying whoever else that these straight bullets are hitting. Same as with men. A lot of men think they're the prices they got money. They think they they can they can take care of honey. No, you need more than money for honey. Hope they're up. Hmm. A lot more questions came in. I'm gonna go about ten more minutes and see if my wife called and check in. Let's see if she called me. Did she text me? And thank you whoever sent me the cash app. I appreciate y'all generosity, man. Thank you. You guys are very generous to me, man. You guys, y'all cash app, y'all PayPal, y'all, y'all, y'all are amazing, man. I appreciate your support, man. And for those who feel led to support, you can right now. Um, so thank you, Michelle, for your support. Um, you can do so on my website, imunplugged.com. Links in the chat box or whatever. If you feel led to give the support our mentoring program to support what we do to help create more products and stuff like that, thank you also for your support. Let me see if my wife called. Okay, she didn't call. All right. <clears throat> So hope that answered your question, my friend. Chris Stop Righteous says, how did you know who to marry? Will God give you confirmation? He will give you confirmation on everything. And the thing about God's confirmation, he will confirm it as much as needed for your faith to be developed. And then from there, the thing that has been proven to be confirmed by God will in of itself, without the help of God, confirm itself. Is God confirming my marriage to me? No. My marriage is confirming itself to me. In the beginning, God did the confirmation. God was confirming to me, Josh, this is it. This is for you. I didn't understand it in the beginning. It was kind of blurry in the beginning. But as I got closer and deeper into the will of God between me and my wife, uh, God was giving me confirmational signals, right? When I got in my marriage, God ain't confirming no more because I, I got he gave he helped me get the faith to get in it, right? The actual marriage now is confirming itself. I don't have to look for God. Confirm this again. No, as me and my wife engage, as me and my wife continue to turn the pages of our marriage into page one, year two, year three, year four, it naturally confirms itself, right? So God's confirmation will get you in it. And then the thing he confirmed will confirm itself so that you will continue to have a firm grip. Confirm, continuously keep a firm grip on it. Because it's going to confirm itself. And the more it confirms itself, the more you see the wealth in it and the more you want to stick in it, right? So God confirmed it many ways. I mean, just initially when I met my wife, it was a it was something about her. Previously, I was caught up in a, a ring by Spring at Oral Roberts Universal. My feelings made me feel like a girl was the one for me, right? So I learned from that that when the next woman I meet, I'm going to go more than just um, um, the pressures of relationship. I'm going to go by, I'm not, when I meet a woman, I'm not going to be like, oh, you're God's woman for me just because I have feelings. I knew then as I got older and more spiritually mature that I'm going to let God confirm it. God, I feel something about her, but she could just be someone, just someone else. It doesn't mean that she's my wife, but in time, the confirmation got uh, uh, more sound and, and, and it felt like pounds. It felt more like this was it. And then over time, boom, I knew it was it. No question. You need that confirmation to continue to keep a firm grip on it because there's moments in marriage where you're not going to question it, but you're going to be like, man, what did I get myself into? Then that confirmation just says, you know, why are we arguing? We're confirmed for each other. 
right? And then the peace of God, the moving of the Holy Spirit in marriage will kind of build y'all joining together. Now, how does God confirm? I have a lot of points in it in my book right here, Counterfeit or Counterpart. I talk about how God confirms. I said, uh, man, where's my book? Anyway, there's like 10 ways that I came with starts with C's that how God can confirm. He confirms creatively. He confirms um, concisely. He confirms a lot of different ways I talk about how he confirms. So that this book right here has a lot of points on how God confirms his will for you. And so this book right here will help you uh, more in that area, my friend. Oh, man, there's more questions on a Saturday. Y'all like, you got time. <laughs> Let's see. Dominique, we're glad to have you in the live. We're glad you caught one. Jess says, if you have time, can you go over the difference between your own voice, the enemy's voice, and hearing God's voice? Great question, my brother. This is what I learned in my years with God. <clears throat> Every, each person's, <clears throat> let me read this through this again because I clear my throat. Let's do this again. If you have time, can you go over the difference between your own voice, the enemy's voice, and hearing God's voice? One thing that I've known or discovered in my walk with God about each person's voice, divine, demonic, and my voice deep within, is that each comes with a presence. Demonic, the enemy's voice cannot be peaceful. His is always pressuring and fleshly. When the enemy is talking to you, there's pressure. When God is talking to you, there's peace. There's purpose, right? Your voice is just passion, right? That's the unique difference. Peace, pressure, passion. Each has to be filtered through the pages of scripture. Scripture has to be the foundation. The word of God has to be the foundation on how we think. Now, the best way to set yourself up to hear more divinely from God and to have peace on the inside is to, to find in God's word the proper perspective points you must have about the things that you're going to be partnered with or that you may be faced with. For instance, if you are having strong passions or you feel that a woman is coming, right, that a woman is about to be in your life, or you think that you're being more prepared for marriage, now you have to filter your passions through the word of God. So that you don't become so passionate that you set yourself up to be susceptible to demonic pressures, right? You have to be a person of peace, right? The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. God not saying that you're not, you, you shouldn't pray and that you shouldn't uh, petition. He just says you have a couple of thanksgiving because what thanksgiving does, it puts things in perspective. Sometimes we focus on so much that what we want that we're not thankful for what we have and it skews our viewpoint, right? With thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. The devil wants you to get caught up in your understanding or to make you feel like God doesn't understand you. So the enemy wants you to get so caught up in your understanding, man-made understanding, thinking about what you, right, versus Trusting in the peace that surpasses our understanding because his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Therefore, we, we can't trust the understanding or get caught up in the devil causing us to make us feel like God doesn't understand us. That's what he did with Adam and Eve, right? Then the peace of God, which surpasses all this, and will keep, will keep your heart and mind by Christ Jesus. Jesus, who the Prince of Peace. 
You got to have so much confidence in the Prince of Peace so that you can walk in peace so that you don't find yourself pressured or following your passions without it being divinely brought through by peace. Hope to help, fam. Y'all said, for example, making basic decisions and not sin related. For example, what route should I take or what should I invest in? Great question. Everything must spawn from peace. From peace. Man, bro, I'll go with the flow. I don't care about what I got or what I'm trying to show. I'll go with the flow. What I mean by as a man, like sometimes we want to show off that we're successful. I don't care about showing off. I, I, I consume myself with flowing with God. So as I flow with God, he'll tell me what to do. So no matter what comes into my place, if I've made it a, um, if I made it a, a priority, for instance, all my athletes know that if I don't take care of the offseason, I won't make it to the postseason. What I do in the offseason will determine how much of the postseason I can go deeper in. Those who are more prepared make it to the postseason. Those who take care of their body. So, for instance, if I make it a habit to condition myself, to train, whatever, I become more comfortable in the game so that I, my, my body makes the move it needs to make. No matter what defense gives me, I know what decision to make because I'm prepared for it. The same is with life. If I put the work in with God when there was no need to make a decision and I'm training with the Holy Spirit day in and day out, I'm in my word day in, day out. I'm increasing my time limit in prayer. I'm increasing my engagement in prayer. I'm doing what I got to do. Then when it comes to the actual season where you have to make decisions, they become easy because you already got the flow. It's, it's muscle memory now. You know what I'm saying? When you when you practice moves over and over again, when you get in the game, boom, it's instinctive now. It's you see, you see, you see your boys a hooper. You see, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know to make the move where you got to make it because you took the time to make those moves in practice. So when you put a lot of work in practice, you put a lot of work in God in, in the offseason, then when it's time to make decisions when the season comes, you'll make the right decision. Two more, and I gotta go. Dominique, we got you. We first time in the live, first time he asked you a question. Dominique says, if I would like to start a nonprofit for women, should I? Or should I wait on God to confirm you? Always wait on God to confirm it. I don't want to be out of alignment with God's purpose. It's been on my heart to start with. Now, starting has a different, it's different for everyone. Some starting means starting researching it. Some starts means to go out and start it. So you got to ask where God wants you to start. So for me. Like I told my brother above you in the question, I go with the flow. Um, my wife can tell you now. You probably well. You may have heard some of the videos, but just in case you haven't, Dominique, like when it comes to writing books, I could have wrote a ton of books and made a lot of money. I could have wrote like five books on singleness, five more books on dating, and I would have probably been a millionaire by now. But I don't chase the money, right? I write what a God tells me to write obedience more than opportunities. I care more about obedience because the more I'm obedient, the more God opportunities I find myself in. Because not all opportunities are God opportunities, but obedience to God will really get you to God opportunities, right? So what I mean by that, I just go with the flow of God, right? And so when I found out that he wanted me to write facts of feelings, where the book at? Right here. When he wanted me to write this, it hit me in my heart like this. Boom. This is what I want you to write, Josh. And I wrote it. So that means we're going with the flow. Now, when it comes to nonprofit women, there is a there may there is a flow and a pace of God wants you to go on. So maybe God just says, Hey, I just want you to start researching right now. Maybe He wants you to start serving 
a shelter, a woman's shelter, start serving so that you can become familiar. Because if you just start it and you don't have the heart for it or your heart's not develop it for it, then you're gonna end up departing it. Before you start it, make sure you have the heart for it so you're gonna depart it. And what I mean by that is your heart has to be healthy enough to handle what all comes with that. So God may want you to start with, um, maybe God wants you to start with serving a, a, a shelter or serving something like that or start researching it so that your heart can be developed for it. I hope they help. That's the practical things uh, that I that I think will help you in that. All right, one more and I got to go. Uh, Robert Lee, what's up, family? Love your teachers, man. God, God gets the glory, fam. God gets the glory. Thank you, family, for your kind words, man. I'm glad y'all enjoying the teaching, man. And, and I know this is a lot of, it's a lot of, it's fresh for a lot of people because I know I'm different. And there'll be times where you'd be like, man, why they're more successful? But these seasoned words are for people who wants to be seasoned. You know what I'm saying? So uh, thank you so much, man. I'm glad they are a blessing to you. Maria Marie said, how can I know if God has someone for me? He has someone for you. He has someone for everyone. But is he that someone for you? Until God becomes a someone for you, you won't find your someone in him, right? So he has. So, so I think, Maria, you just have to really take your heart to God and say, God, I'm struggling with this. I'm idolizing this. I love this more than you. Until God becomes more to you and more than the things that you want for you, then you won't really find what's for you. Hope to help, my friend. Now I'll be praying for you. Simmons says, hey, man, thank you for clarification. I felt this was a terribly misguided statement. It's okay. I think I got what you were saying. Uh, my wife just got home. I told you. Uh, oh, oh, I got to answer this one. That's the last one. Um, do I need to get the... That's her. That's her. I ain't know if I had to get the ooh, ooh. You know what I'm saying? Look. That you, babe? All right. <laughs> I ain't know if I had to get the whoop whoop. You know what I'm saying? I'm just joking. Anyway, what are the long-term benefits and absolute freedom? The long-term benefits, I can tell you this because I experienced long-term benefits, right? The long-term benefits of being abstinent as a man is that you won't be comparing your one man to another one man. Right now, I don't know what other woman feels like. I don't know what other woman feels like. That's the benefit of abstinence. Number two, the benefits of abstinence, you will learn self-control. You will learn self-control because even when you start having sex in marriage, you can't you can't be so caught up in uh, um, lust and sexual desires to the point to where you become overbearing to your woman, right? Other benefits of being abstinence is you actually want the woman. You actually care for her, right? You actually care for her more than just her body. That's another benefit. Another benefit of abstinence as a man is that when you're married to your one man, you won't be, when you go through arguments, stuff, you won't be looking for another woman, right? Or if there's moments where she's not able to offer sex for whatever various reasons, you will be so purposeful because in your abstinence, you was about things. You was about your purpose. You was in, you was present in your purpose. Because as a man, when you're more in your purpose, when things happen in your marriage, whatever, you get right back into purpose versus into pornography. You get right back into purpose versus in the pants of another woman. So your back up is not a plan B, it's a plan P because your plan P is your plan purpose, right? So those are the long-term long-term benefits of abstinence as a man. Um, you see her for who she is and not for what she can give you bodily. Um, you are probably going to end up being more self-controlled if you've really taken advantage of abstinence. Um, you won't be comparing her. You won't have to worry about comparing to someone else, You uh, whatever like that. So those are the main long-term benefits in abstinence for a man uh, because now you are clear-headed versus the other one trying to spear someone, right? Hope to help. I love you all. Hope y'all was blessed by this. You're so welcome, Dominique. Jay says, I got to buy all your books. Now, God gets the glory, fam. They're, I promise you they're going to be beneficial to you. Um, 
Ah, Jessica J. I'll get you next time. Marv just got home. Uh, God's with you, Jessica. Got to be obedient. God said, answer her question. All right, Jessica. God must really want you to answer this one. All right. So let me make sure because my Wi-Fi is getting low. Hold on. Take this Wi-Fi. All right. Hey, coach. Jessica, you know this. This is God, y'all. This is what God told me to do. Hey, coach, I deal with schizophrenia and I have a hard time with my emotions, thoughts, and feelings and feeling God's presence. How do I build discernment when I don't trust to question anything? I ask God for help, but I'm still struggling. It's almost like I hear things that sound like it's God speaking, but just cause it's good doesn't mean it's God. Great question. All right. So schizophrenia. Hear me, I'm not a doctor, right? So I got to preface that so nobody won't Google him, all that crazy stuff. So I'm not a doctor. Anyway, a lot of the mental illnesses in our world today is because our minds are not set on where they need to be set. And if your mind is not set on things that are above, then it's going to be set on things you love. And those things that you love will open doors for demonic things to creep in and idolatry sets in. And then all of a sudden, when things disappoint you or you falsely depend on something, you fall into a mental state of confusion, which falls in the mental state of sadness, falls in the mental state of depression, which then leads you different ways. And then they start stamping it different titles to make you think it's that. Then start feeding you medication to make you feel better in that area, but then cause side effects in other areas and causing you to deal with the issue and not deal with the open doors that you open for demonic spirits to creep in to start making you thinking crazy or it could just be um dietary or it just could just be um um, not as deep as what you think so what i will start off by saying is don't use schizophrenia anymore because when you because that sounds like a demon (laughs) schizophrenia sounds like a demon so if you keep saying things like that or identifying yourself with that then subconsciously you will become connected at that thing that that's your issue and the demon can hide behind the title and he'll never be delivered out of you right so you have a hard time with my emotion. Now you have to ask them what is causing your emotions to be unbalanced. And if you keep focusing on feeling God's presence versus just knowing God is present, then you will become um, confused in that in that effort, right? Because a lot of people, they want to feel. It's more than just feelings. That's why in this book, I talk about you have to understand the facts of God versus trying to feel God. Because if you're trying to feel God, what if God can't be felt? Right now, when you in certain places, I can't feel air, but I know air is there. But when this fan is on, I can feel the air even better. But does that mean because the fan was off that the air wasn't there? No, there was just a movement of air that proved the air was there. So God is always present. So you don't have to feel his presence, but you can know he's present. So you have to get from feeling to facts, then facts get you to faith. So you have to get into the word of God and say, okay, what are the facts about God? God is near to the brokenhearted. God's a present help in a time of trouble. God is always there. Therefore, my mind has to understand and be fully aware that God is not busy doing something else for some for somebody else. God is not over there busy and ignoring you. God's omnipresence is uncalculable in the world terms because God is fully 100% present everywhere, giving everyone his full and undivided attention simultaneously. All these iPhones have Siri on them. Siri is present on every iPhone and how many iPhones are out there? And if man can can, can, uh, create something like Siri, that everyone around the world can talk to Siri and Siri is not, I can't talk to you right now, I'm talking to Tom, but Siri is present on that cell phone on, on every iPhone, then what do you think the omnipresence of God is? 
the world is trying to compete with what God been doing before everything was ever created. So if Siri is on every iPhone, if every, and, if, and if every iPhone has Siri turned on and Siri, no matter when you say Siri, it responds to you, then what do you think God does? So when your mind is renewed, that the, there's, it is factually proven that God is everywhere and he's near to the brokenhearted, then you will have faith in his presence. And his faith in his presence may make you, quote unquote, feel his presence at certain points, but it cannot be reserved into I, I'm waiting to feel God. Right. Now, how do I discern? How do I build discernment when I don't trust or question anything? You build discernment through the facts. What does the word of God say about God's character? The word of God is the only place where we can understand and become aware of God's character. So we have to go to God's word to find out what his character is. And then we have to track his faithfulness. Like I said in many videos, people track his faithfulness based upon the big things delivered versus the little things that are delivered in big ways every day. So I ask God, but I'm still struggling. You're going to struggle in the beginning. But you got to, number one, stop identifying yourself with a mental illness. So I won't say schizophrenia anymore. Number two, you got to find the root to why you're feeling this way. Number three, you got to build your facts. Understand that you have to present yourself with the facts of who God is so you can have faith in God and know that God is more than just a feeling. We have been taught to be in our feelings. And that's why I wrote this book, Facts Over Feelings, because when you understand that feelings are just indicators of a present mood and it's not something that you should always put all your stock in then you will begin to find your stock in God and you'll find your stocks rising in your own individual life. Got to go, y'all. I love you all. I hope that helped. I had to answer a question. I hope that helped some other people that was listening. So if you want to learn more about what I do, you can go to my website, imunplugged.com, where you can get books like my latest book, Facts Over Feelings. It's a book to help you practice and go through your feelings and it gives you uh, uh, journal entries on how to process feelings, pros and cons of a relationship situation so that you can really find the facts and then find faith in God. Also, you can check out my other book, The Holders Journal, to help you hold the important things well so that you can become whole. Got a book on singleness. If you want to understand the purpose of your singleness and how to maximize, this would be a great book for you. If you want a dating book to help uh, 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 date God, date yourself become dateable so that they love your life forever. And to find the questions to either end the relationship or extend the relationship is a great book here. What's cool about this book is that you can, with your couple, with the other individual, y'all can go through this book together and, and compare answers. How you feel about this? What you think about raising children? Like that. And if it don't match, don't latch. If you're struggling with soul ties and strongholds, there's a great book here that will help you understand soul ties and, and how to up untie them and better understand strongholds and how to uproot them. If you, need, if you have questions about discernment and how God confirms it, and the difference between the counterfeit and the counterpart is a great book here. If you got a young person that wants to learn more about their purpose, here's our cartoon characters. Great book there. Wise saying to help guide, help kids walk in wisdom. Also, if you're struggling with uh, spiritual warfare or want to learn how to put on the whole armor of God, this book would be a great resource too. This is the second book I actually wrote in my whole life. So it's a great uh, nostalgic book, man, uh, that I'm very proud of. So thank you all so much for watching. I pray y'all was blessed by it. Uh, that's right, Jess. Demons can hide behind the title. They do it all the time. That's why the medical, not the medical industry, but different people put titles behind things so the demons can say, you deal with the title while I keep you idle and why keep you idol worshiping and keep you from being free. So I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.